Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, April 23rd edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next half hour or so as we talk about the first round of the NFL Draft with professional handicapper John Ryan at John Ryan Sports and the number one on Twitter. We're talking about some prop bets that we're looking at. We're going to talk about the wide receivers, what happens with the number three pick with the Lions, and kind of examine what's going on out there in the betting markets for tonight's first round. Over at bangthebook.com, make sure you check out Wednesday's edition of Bang the Book Radio with Thor Nystrom of Roto World. Lots of draft stuff in that. And I've been doing a lot of draft coverage here over the last couple of weeks, looking at some of the odds that are out there, some of my thought processes for the first round tonight. Good stuff over there at the website. And for this weekend, got a couple of big stakes races down at Oaklawn Park. So I'll be writing up previews for those over at bangthebook.com. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. We bring on our only guest today. That is John Ryan at John Ryan Sports and the number one on Twitter. John, how's it going today, man? I'm doing okay, Adam. I'm trying to figure out if I even know what day it is, and um, we just live in a different world, don't we? Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, at least we know what day it is today because it is the first round of the NFL draft here on Thursday night. Wanted to fit one more show in, cram this one in for you with some additional draft thoughts here from John and I. And John, let's go ahead and start right away by just talking about you know this draft in general. I mean, this virtual concept now. All these team employees are going to be at their separate homes. Uh, they're going to be trying to Zoom in or Skype in or whatever these teams try to do. I can't see this thing going off without a hitch tonight. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I, as you know, today I had problems uh, even getting logged into to our show uh, for various reasons. And I'm a, I'm a tech-savvy guy, and it just kind of blew my mind. So to your point, I can't imagine uh, – literally sitting in a basement that there's not going to be some kind of communication breakdown. And, you know, they have that 10 minute window between drafts. We've seen Minnesota lose a pick a couple of years ago, and that didn't involve this stuff. Um, so I would think there, there's going to be a little leeway. I haven't read anything about that. Um, but it's usually, you know, it gets phoned in and then a guy puts it on a three by five card, gives it to another guy, and then it's all dressed up and given to uh, Goodell. But what I was thinking, it's going to be nice for Goodell tonight because he's not going to get booed every time he comes on the stage. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, he'll he'll certainly get booed on social media and, and some of the other forms of communication out there. But, you know, something I was kind of thinking about here, you know, I've kind of been expecting a conservative first round here where I don't think there are going to be as many trades as people expect. We could see teams kind of move up for the quarterbacks and whatnot. I don't think it'll be as busy as people expect. On the other hand, you know, a lot of times you're kind of sitting there waiting for the team in front of you or the two teams in front of you to make their picks before you make your final determination. And you've got, you know, effectively six, seven minutes to decide on that before you try to tell Roger Goodell or whoever's in charge of that what you're going to do. So I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to give some of these teams a little bit of leeway, maybe a time bank, maybe some extensions, something like that. But it's tough because – I think these teams would feel a lot more comfortable if they could complete their trades this afternoon. But because the draft process is so fluid and you don't know exactly who the team in front of you is going to take, 
it may be kind of difficult to do that. So I don't know. I, I think this thing could just be pure chaos tonight. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I I think I agree with you with the uh, the number of trades is probably not going to be as active as people think. Um, but I do think there's going to be the possibility of a blockbuster uh, going after Detroit's number three pick. And um, and that's just a gut feeling. I know what I've read on the on the Internet and heard on TV that, you know, it's going to take uh, a king's ransom to get that pick. Uh, but if that pick is uh, that quarterback, uh, Herbert, then you know, there is a few franchises out there that might throw away the future for three years uh, to get that guy. So, um, you know, I, could, I can make a case, uh, and I've done it with some of my buddies here while we've been you know, quarantined here in the Philadelphia region, that uh, he might be a better quarterback than Burroughs uh, or Burrow. Um, you know, Burrow, I've read stuff where, you know, his NFL ceiling could be limited, which I think is a bunch of, you know, hogwash. The, the guy proved in the last year that work ethic is everything. And he put his mind to what he wanted to accomplish. And he made one of the biggest advances I've ever seen any athlete ever make in one single season. So I think, you know, to put a ceiling on him is, is ludicrous. Um, but how about something completely out the window that the Patriots trade up to get him? Is that out of the realm of question? You know, it's been a long time since the Patriots have even had a number one pick because they trade him away and they bring in proven players. Um, I'm just not convinced that, you know, the Patriots aren't setting themselves up possibly for a, you know, modified tanking. Um, you know, no offense to the quarterbacks they have right now, but they're they're not ones that I think can carry them deep into the playoffs. Uh, they don't have the wide receiver cores, you know, it, and they don't have Brady. So I, I thought that that would be, you know, like way out there in left field and would shock everybody if they did that. But who's to say they won't? Well, I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to figure out, you know, what package the Patriots could put together to make that big of a leap. I mean, you're talking about jumping up, you know, 20 picks here, which is a lot for a team like the Lions to give up when they need a top five caliber player. And if that's Okuda or if it's Derek Brown or if it's somebody else remains to be seen. But Okuda still the smallest price to go third overall here, plus 155 in that type of range Tua the second price at plus 225. That would require a trade. Field is next at three to one, which is pretty much Justin Herbert. That's really the only option I foresee in terms of a field type of pick because he's not actually listed at some places. Then Derek Brown plus three fifty, and you know maybe they do go the safe route with a guy like Derek Brown, a guy that can stop the run in the middle of that defense. But you know ultimately, I think if somebody trades up, it's for Tua or Herbert, whichever one that they prefer, and. A lot of people saying that maybe the Dolphins move up from five to three and may even take the best offensive lineman on the board. I guess that kind of falls under this, you know, field group as well. I don't really see that being the case. I think that's just conjecture. I get just clickbait and engagement bait from some of the writers that are out there because you're going to get a really good lineman at five if you want to take one. I also don't think that you really need to move up to take a quarterback. We know Burroughs one, Chase Young is two. If the Lions keep that pick at three, 
They're going defense with it. They're not going to take a quarterback. And at four, we know the Giants just took Daniel Jones, and they want an offensive lineman. So I don't really think my, you know, in my personal opinion, I don't think anybody trades up for that Lions pick. I think the Lions are doing their due diligence, and they should. But I don't think there's a pressing need to do that because unless you really rate somebody like Wills higher than Wirfs or Thomas, you don't need to leapfrog the Giants. So I think it's just a lot of smoke, and, and I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of fire with that three-pick personally. I, I can see that. Um, unless, like you I'm, said, there's a significant wild card like a New England or somebody. Then I can kind of see it. But like you said, to jump that many, it's going to take at least two number ones in the future on top of it. Uh, and those are late first-round picks in all likelihood, too. That's you know, you correct. Yep. Now, they, I think another interesting wild card situation that is worth talking about is the Eagles. And they need a wide receiver um, desperately. They need a guy that can stretch the defenses. Uh, there's been rumor that uh, Alshon Jeffrey is, is actually, um, I guess I would say, on the block as, as a possibility of being included in a trade to move up. But there's so many wide receivers in this draft. This is, you know, obviously everybody knows it's the deepest wide receiver draft we've seen in, in more than a decade and maybe even longer. And I, I also don't think CeeDee Lamb is probably the, the top one, although he's awesome. But I, I have Ruggs number one. Um, just because of the speed and the athleticism is just out the window ridiculous. Uh, he's a guy that, that could stretch – defenses vertically and horizontally and I say that kind of sarcastically but can you imagine him being lined up in the in the slot against a wide against a linebacker I mean that, that would be the mismatch of all mismatches so um and I'm not taking any away from CeeDee Lamb either I mean he's a stud and he could do the same thing um but I just had I just kind of like the speed and the athleticism and uh, I'm sure everybody saw his uh, YouTube videos, too, that involved a round ball with basketball, obviously, and the talent that the kid has is just immense. So, well, and, uh, and as we look at the wide receiver position, you know, kind of looking at some of the odds that are out there, it seems like right now Jerry Judy is falling. And Jerry Judy, some questions, I don't want to say with the makeup, but some questions with a you know, potential uh, surgical situation that he had recently or a year or so ago. That didn't really come to light. You know, he didn't really, he doesn't really have the same kinds of measurables as Ruggs in the sense that Ruggs has the big hands, like we talked about on yesterday's show with Thor Nystrom. Ruggs has the elite level speed. Judy seems to be falling a little bit to the point where you've got CeeDee Lamb likely going first, Ruggs going second in that wide receiver triumvirate. But you may have Ruggs go first, Lamb go second. It all depends on kind of fit. If you're the Eagles and you're sitting there and you want to take a wide receiver, you know, you've got Judy kind of falling now. So maybe you don't have to move up from 21 to, you know, 12 or 13 to get a guy that you want. Maybe you only have to move up to 15 or 16 lower cost in terms of draft picks that you have to give up. And at the same time, you also sit there and say, how much more do we like Jerry Judy than a Justin Jefferson or a Denzel Mims, something like that? And Jefferson's, you know, uh, draft position kind of in that spot, 21 and a half, 
around where Philadelphia is picking. We know Denzel Mims has been a pretty popular guy in terms of the yes-no prop for being a first-rounder. That's yes or no, minus 120 at some places. Yes, a little bit higher at others. So the Eagles have options, and all these teams that want a wide receiver have options as well. But I think the most intriguing storyline here is the movement in the marketplace with Judy's over prop, over 12.5, over 13.5, now minus $2, minus 230 in that range. Looks like Ruggs is going to go second now. You're going to have Lamb first, Ruggs second, Judy third, with Judy dropping down the board a little bit. And I talked about this earlier in the week at bangthebook.com that you want to let the betting markets be your guide for the draft. The betting markets will tell you with a higher degree of confidence than these mock drafts of what's going to happen. And it looks like right now, based on what we're seeing, Jerry Judy is dropping down some boards here. So maybe that's a trade scenario where the Eagles can move up from 21 to 14 or 15 or something and get a guy like Judy. I think, I think that would be an excellent fit too. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Judy's dropping because he had a, a pretty terrible combine. And uh, then he run a, a really pretty bad 40, and he dropped a lot of balls, and he just didn't seem to be focused at all. Well, um, and that's one of those things, too. You know, we talk about maybe the, the concerns with how this draft plays out. I think a lot of teams will be pretty risk-averse. I think there will be more of a conservative approach to this draft just because of Everything that's going on, the questionable medicals for some guys, haven't been able to have those in-person visits, this and that. And if you start having concerns about a guy like Judy, who may very well be the best wide receiver in the draft, time will tell. But, you know, GMs are going to have their jobs on the line. Teams, ownership, fans, they don't care that this draft is being held in the time of quarantine. They want results. And if you've got worries about Judy or some of these other guys, you may take a more conservative approach. And with Judy, yeah, the surgery announcement, and then as you mentioned, you know, kind of a lackluster combine, and teams haven't been able to do private workouts or anything like that. So, yeah, some team may end up getting a really good player that just tested poorly or had some bad things come out at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I just thinking, too, I was going to ask you a question. Of the players, of these wide receivers, and you're a, a GM, Looking at, um, you know, Judy, and let's take out Lamb because he's going to be gone. Ruggs is going to be gone. And, again, we're talking about the Eagles position here. And then you have uh, the kid from LSU, Jefferson, uh, the kid from Arizona State, uh, Pittman from USC. Uh, You mentioned Mims from Baylor. Um, The one from TSU, uh, TCU, uh, Jalen Rieger. And – there's, I mean, dropping down a little bit further, Chase Claypool, uh, Notre Dame, even K.J. Hamler, Penn State, which is not obviously a number one. So let's scratch him off of my list here. And then um, there's a wide receiver from Colorado I actually heard on, on your podcast yesterday that was is quite impressive, uh, Cheneau. So let's say, let's pick Cheneau. This is your uh, pool of wide receivers to select from for, for the Eagles if it's your turn to pick. So you have a choice of Cheneau, Rieger, Mims, Pittman, Higgins, um, Ayuk, Jefferson, and Judy. Would you, if you ended up with any of those, would you be okay? Um, 
I mean, here's to me, if I'm staying at 21 and I'm Philadelphia, I don't think Judy's there. I think you have to trade up to get Judy. Judy's still the guy I would want. I mean, I'm not going to let the combine and, you know, maybe a surgical procedure in the past overcome what I saw on film. Because, I mean, look, I understand Alabama's an NFL caliber team playing college football, but Judy's, you know, game tape looks really good. So if I can get him, if I can trade up at a minimal cost, I'm taking him. If not, I'm getting Justin Jefferson because he's a huge target, a great red zone opportunity. I'm not as sold on the other guys. So maybe I even look to either trade back and sort of maximize my position, or I take a really good defensive player that's going to be sitting there. And later in the draft, I take an Antonio Gandy-Golden or, you know, one of these sec- – Michael Pittman, he's a second-round grade. I trade up for Chenault in the second round, something like that. I don't think you're hard-pressed to get a first-round wide receiver here unless it's a guy that you really, really like. I think you're going to get great wide receivers throughout the second, third, and fourth rounds too. So, to me, I take a safe, smart defensive player to help out that side of the ball and then I get my wide receivers in the second and third rounds if I have to trade up for them or not. See, that's the idea I like, Adam. I was, I was trying to lead you down that path a little bit. That uh, I know the Eagle fans would, uh, you know, would, would be crazy mad if they don't take a wide receiver with the first pick. Um, but they could, they could draft a pretty darn good cornerback at 21. And to your point, go in the second round and and that Antonio uh, Gandy Golden from Liberty would be an awesome second round pick I think and if Pittman's still around he would be even better in my opinion so then you you accomplish both goals uh kind of in a different way than uh, the fans would like to see you do it but you know the Eagles were torched last year on the corners now they did pick up in free agency a stud um but they you know you got to cover both sides of the field too so I like your idea there. Now, well, as we're talking about the wide receivers here, let's touch on this. Over under five and a half wide receivers in the first round, the over is minus 160 here. So you know, that's a, a pretty juicy proposition, understandably so. Again, such a great wide receiver draft here. Five times actually has that one at minus 145 on the over, so a little bit better of a price there. But as you sort of go through and look at some of the – Position groups are a little bit deficient here. I mean, after the top four offensive linemen, pretty big drop-off from that point forward, although a lot of offensive linemen expected to go in the first round here. I think there's only three defensive backs I'd be really comfortable taking in the first round. Uh, You've got, obviously, Okuda. You've got Henderson. And I think A.J. Terrell from uh, Clemson is going to go in the first round here, too. But, man, I got to see six wide receivers in the first round, right, if not seven. I, I fully agree with that. I think it's going to be seven. Um, I definitely think it, that, that's an overbet that I, w- I would love to make. At five and a half, I actually uh, think that started out at some of the books when it first opened up um, you know, a month ago. At, at four and a half, you can believe that. And now it's up where it, where it should be. But I think, it, you know, I think six is – you can see six going. And it's based on team needs. It's not based on uh, best player available. Um, and going back to that Eagles theory we have here, you're right on the cornerbacks. I'm looking at some of the the depth here on the on the big board, and you're right. The you know you have top three, and then um, 
there is there is a pretty big drop off. Um, you have Jeff Gladney, AJ Terrell from Clemson. You know, Arnett's pretty good though. He's he's dropped down quite a bit over the last couple of weeks too, and I have no idea why. Um, but maybe that is a strategy. I'm sure the Eagles have you know considered every single possibility and situation, but that would really shore up their defense. Um, but they need somebody too, other than Deshaun Jackson, to stretch the field. So that's why these guys get paid all this big money. Well, and I think another interesting one here too is that you've got over under six and a half defensive backs in the first round. The under very heavily juiced out there, kind of seeing that one in the minus two fifty range at some places with under six and a half. And I mean, look, this makes sense. You know, you've got Okuda, you've got Henderson, you've got. I think Terrell does go in the first round. I think that he probably should. I mean, you know, you talk about a guy coming out of that Clemson football factory. He's kind of one of those safer picks, I think, too, in the sense that you know he's going to start for you for a long time, whether you start him on the strong side corner or the weak side corner, whether you want him to be against a wide receiver one or not, still going to be a really good player. The question then becomes, you know, Xavier McKinney out of Alabama, he's a first-round pick at safety. Uh, For whatever reason, Isaiah Simmons is listed as a linebacker. He's more of a safety kind of hybrid type of guy. Keep in mind, too, that, you know, the manager's discretion is going to decide some of these props. And that can be a little bit of a dicey thing, too, depending on how Simmons is labeled. Make sure you know exactly what source the books are going to use for that. But if Simmons is, is labeled as a safety, he's obviously going in the first round. Beyond that, for defensive backs, you know, does Christian Fulton go out of LSU? I think there's a good chance because, again, you've got a lot of really positive film on him. Uh, You've got a guy like, you know, uh, shit, the name escapes me now. Uh, you got a guy like, you know, Trevon Diggs. I mean, does Trevon Diggs go in the first round? Being being a guy coming out of that Alabama football factory, you've got a lot of question marks with defensive backs. I think wide receivers and offensive linemen are pretty cut and dry that they're going to go. I think defensive backs – Depending on the mock you look at, maybe the plus 170 on over six and a half is worth it. But again, judging by the minus 250 on the under, that implies to me that we're probably going to get five or six of them here. We're not going to see seven. And again, the betting market being my guide as opposed to the mock drafts. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think the bet there is under. Um, it's interesting, too, that both corners for Ohio State I don't know if that's a prop bet or not. Um, it probably isn't likely to happen, but they both could arguably go in the first round. Uh, you know, our, our net is is ranked pretty high, and uh, of course, Ogada is, is yeah top three for sure. So let me ask you about this here because there, there's been a lot of talk about this, and you know. I think that maybe it happens. I don't think it's going to be the guy that everybody expects it to be. I guess that's kind of my bold prediction here. But a running back in the first round, right now that's over under half a running back. So basically, will a running back be drafted in the first round? Yes or no? That's minus 150 as we look out there at Bet Online. Um, it's one of those things to me where I don't know if it's worth it in today's NFL in particular with a run-first type of running back, like a DeAndre Swift, like a Jonathan Taylor, 
I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the only first round running back that I would take because of his pass catching ability. But do you think one of them does end up getting taken tonight in the first 32 picks? I'm on the side that uh, there won't be a running back in the first round. And it, and the, the talent level is, is a little bit lower than previous seasons, I think, overall as a, as a body of players. But more importantly, I think, you know, how, what's the average lifespan of a running back in the NFL? You know, it, it, it used to be two and three quarters years, and it's dropping. It, it just seems like every year it's, it's less and less. And, um, you know, the Giants obviously took a, a shot at uh, on Barkley, and I think that's going to pay off. But I don't see a Barkley on this list, not even close. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, has set all kinds of national records at Wisconsin. Um, you know, tremendous young man, great character, uh, definitely could build a team around him at the NFL level. Uh, but are you going to pick him as, a, as your first pick? Um, that would have to be one of the teams late in the round, I think, that would, uh, would pull the trigger on that and say, all right, we're going to grab him. But I think realistically, you know, a lot of these guys will go early second round uh, to maybe even mid, mid to late second round. So you, with all the other talent that's out there that we've already talked about, the offensive linemen, I think there's even a prop bet out there. Are there going to be more wide receivers taken than, than offensive linemen? And when was the last time you ever saw something like that? So if you assume that it's going to be six wide receivers and let's say five offensive linemen, that's 11 picks right there. Um, and then you have all the, the defensive backs. You have some tremendous defensive tackles. The guy from Auburn, obviously, is going to go very high. He's probably going to be the third pick unless Detroit trades it. Um, and then you just run out of numbers. And suddenly there's no running back in the first round. I, I think that's how it's going to go, um, with the exception of who you mentioned, uh, Swift from Georgia. Uh, he's he's definitely proven and and definitely can play at the at the NFL NFL level and can start immediately. So I guess then I threw a monkey wrench in my own theory there by saying that that a lot of these guys have the talent to replace the existing starter. And in my opinion, replacing a starter who's gone through the NFL season and I don't think the fans really realize what Monday mornings are like in the training room for some of these guys. You know. When they get hit, they get hit hard, and they have protective gear on. Yes, that's true. But, you know, if you see uh, what their bodies look like and the, and the bruising and everything else that goes on week after week after week, you know, that's why these younger guys coming in can replace the existing starter or at least share time with the existing starter. So that would throw a wrench into my theory that there won't be one, but I, I'll stick with my uh, guns here and say there won't be a running back in the first round. The only thing that I think, you know, could change my perception regarding a first round running back is that you look at two teams that had really high profile success in the playoffs last year, Tennessee and San Francisco. And these are two teams that, you know, effectively run, run first offenses. Obviously we know San Francisco does with their trio of backs and using a fullback and, and a really good offensive line. And obviously for Tennessee with Derrick Henry, you know, Derrick Henry's presence is what really helped elevate Ryan Tannehill. So you've got 
some teams that, and I guess you could say Baltimore too, kind of a run first offense, but because they've got a Lamar Jackson, they've got that mobile quarterback, they can run options, they can do a lot of quick runouts and stuff like that. That's just a different kind of offense. I think that you kind of sort of look at this thing and you say, okay, what is the recipe for success in the NFL going forward? Is it the New Orleans Saints? Is it having that swing back Alvin Kamara type of guy? If so, then your guy is Clyde Edwards Hilaire or maybe to a lesser extent, a J.K. Dobbins, who's also a really good receiving back. Is it a Kansas City thing where you've got, you know, you run a guy like Damian Williams, but predominantly your offense goes through Patrick Mahomes, and that's what you want to do. So that's kind of what I look at, is fundamentally and philosophically, do you want to be the Niners and the Titans? Do you want to be, you know, the Saints? Do you want to be a Green Bay or a New England where it's really on the shoulders of your quarterback? What do you want to do? And I think, to me, the most likely blueprint for success is throwing the football and using your running backs as wide receivers. And the teams that are late in the first round here that are probably going to take more of that approach may, may not be interested in a first-round running back. So, you know, people keep saying, like, DeAndre Swift to New England. Does New England all of a sudden pivot to being this run-first offense because they don't have Tom Brady? I guess. But if you're going to do that and you want a bell cow, is DeAndre Swift that guy? Is he physically able to do that for you? I don't know. So I lean on the side of no first-round running back. But, again, I mean, a running back can be a relatively safe pick in the sense that, you know, you can pass with him, you can run with him, you can protect the quarterback with him. He's probably not going to hurt you as a GM in terms of your job security. So I don't know. I, I, think, I just think philosophically with where the NFL is, I think Kyle Shanahan is the exception. And let's keep in mind, Kyle Shanahan got his start as a pass-oriented offensive play caller. The running back thing, maybe he just wanted to do something differently relative to everyone else and had great success with it, and he's a brilliant offensive mind. So I don't think a running back is worth a first-round pick in this class in particular. And I think the guy I like the most is Edward Hilaire because of the receiving ability. I think that's an early second-round type of trade. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the, the thing with the Patriots, um, if you look at you know the passing stats of Brady, the yards per pass attempt, and was was declining, and it not necessarily was him getting old either. It was you know basically didn't have much of an offensive line this year. There was a lot of injuries across the line, but the the attempts were uh, much shorter and much quicker. So. You know, time to release the ball one, under 1.7. Um, you know, two is considered very, very good. So I was saying when you were saying that, if you do have a um, uh, Clyde Edwards, uh, Hilaire from LSU type of player, he can line up in the slot as well as in the backfield. And and that's a pretty powerful weapon. Um, I would think for, you know, a team that has a suspect offensive line, that's the easiest way to to slow down a pass rush, as we all know. You know, you you run a couple of those plays to in the slot, and all of a sudden that pass rush isn't nearly as fierce. And I think that's really been a lot of uh, Brady's success over the years too. Is that he he had the ability to recognize when the, and where the blitz was coming from, and then they would do those little dump offs that uh, people who don't like the Patriots uh, learn to hate. Uh, so I like your idea with that, with um, 
you know, with the, the running back that can catch the ball as a, as a possible late round, uh, first round pick. But certainly in the second round, he might be one of the first ones to go now that you brought that up. I would certainly take him over uh, Swift and Dobbins in an offensive scheme that's going to use the, the running back as a multiple different types of weapons. You could you could line up um, you could line up that LSU kid on the on the uh, wide receiver uh, out by the perimeter. And, you know, that would stretch a defense. That would automatically slow down a pass rush. You, know, you get a, a kid like that on a linebacker, and it's a mismatch. I like that idea, Adam. Well, we'll see what happens tonight in the first round, and um, we'll be back tomorrow. John and I will sort of recap what we saw for the first round, kind of talk about what this means for the subsequent rounds for these teams, and also some thoughts on what it means for the 2020 season, assuming we have one whenever that actually starts. So we'll do that on the Friday edition of Bang the Book Radio here. But, John, where can people find you, and where can people kind of banter with you here throughout the evening's festivities? Right now, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm not on Twitter as often as I, I used to be, but now that I think we're maybe halfway through this pandemic, uh, I'm going to make an effort to start providing some free betting systems. Uh, I've been doing one a week, so I'll pick up the pace on that one a little bit and just have general discussions on what everybody's doing. Um, I've also been trading the market, uh, which has definitely had my attention, and that's you know that satisfied my. Uh, my need for action. For those that don't know, I had a, a Wall Street career that was pretty long. I uh, managed uh, 32 traders in the crude oil pit. And I think just uh, two days ago, we saw crude oil trade negative $34 a barrel, uh, which I never thought in a million years I'd ever see that happen. But that's the type of world we live in. So that, that means there's so much oil out there that those people that were holding those contracts had nowhere to store it and had to sell it off at a loss just to get rid of it. Um, we all know gas prices are going down, right, Adam? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's not. I, I mean, obviously, I, I wish everything was better with the economy, but it's not bad when you have a truck and gas is, you know, $1.25, $1.30 a gallon. Yeah, a friend of mine lives in Dallas, and it's been about three weeks ago, and he sent me a picture. It was uh, $1.37, and he filled up for 19 bucks. And now, okay. of course, it's lower. Yeah. Well, We'll see what keeps happening with that, and, and maybe at some point here we'll have you on uh, after the draft to you know talk about the market, maybe some investment stuff. You know, maybe not a, a bad idea to do that here with something else for us to talk about because after the draft, we don't really have much to look forward to. I guess maybe UFC <laughs> comes back, uh, golf's supposed to come back in June, maybe NASCAR in late May. Other than that, we don't really have a whole lot to look forward to, so we'll have to find some different things to talk about here on Bang the Book Radio with John Ryan at John Ryan Sports and the number one on Twitter. John, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy the draft tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You bet. Thanks a lot, Adam. Take care. There you go. There's John Ryan, once again, professional handicapper at John Ryan Sports and the number one on Twitter. As we just said, we'll be back on Friday taking a look at what happened in the first round, grading out some of these props and how they kind of played out here, and then take a look at the later rounds in the draft and also some thoughts on the upcoming NFL season based on what we saw in this first round. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.